The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. We had a friend visit last weekend. It was so nice to have a friend visit again. He teaches Greek and Latin at a private middle school through high school in New York, as he has for decades now. And I asked him how things were going, and he said, well, I'm not supposed to say this, but our kids are not okay. Kids are not okay right now. His partner, who teaches classics at a college in New York, observed the same thing and pointed to an opinion piece that appeared that very day in the New York Times, written by a man who teaches writing at Southern Methodist University, a piece titled, My College Students Are Not Okay, and named what he was seeing, what our friend was seeing, depression, anxiety, ennui, disengagement. Are the kids the only ones who are not okay? A couple of folks have told me in the last few weeks that they have sought a psychiatrist lately, either to help get some help lifting themselves up or someone they love out of a kind of tar pit of despair or anxiety, and they found all the practices they called full with waiting lists of three to four months. It's the lag effect, it must be, of all that we have been through. And at the same time, my colleagues across denominations are reporting that people are starting to come to church or synagogue, but there's still often more people online than in the pews. We did a survey recently, and all the results will be forthcoming. 89 of you, by the last time I checked, had filled it out, so thank you for doing that, to try and just find out how everybody's doing. I looked this morning, And 18 of the 89 households had someone who said that they had come in the first two months that church had been reopened, zero times. But they'd filled out the survey, they're connected to the community, and not all of them said they were very concerned about health. Few people said they were concerned at all about COVID. Theater spaces, if you've been to theaters recently, I don't know, the ones I've been to have been about a third full. This, though, the stats say if you're vaccinated and everyone's wearing KN95 masks, the chances that you'll be infected are pretty small. So it makes you wonder what's keeping people away, if it's just fear of COVID. Talking to folks. I have a sense that we are all okay, that we did what we needed to to get through the last couple years or the last couple months, but there's this piece of us that isn't entirely okay, something that needs a fix, but what? Let me step back for a moment. There are a few things that we human beings crave and are hardwired for. I find all of this fascinating, all of the studies. It's like my secret indulgence. 
Learning. Did you know that learning actually improves our happiness when we're exposed to something new and we feel like we're learning something new? It makes us happier. We're hardwired for learning, apparently. We're hardwired for this other thing called connection. Did you know, and you probably did, that connecting with other people is literally one of the ways that we can quiet a stress response when we're having anxiety or stress. It helps it complete so that it doesn't lodge in our bodies with all the negative health effects of when stress lodges in our bodies, how it makes us sick over time. But we can stop that response if we talk to others, if we're held, if we laugh, if we just sit and share our stories. It's, it's incredible, this power of someone listening to us and reflecting back that they've heard us and how that's healing to us. Just to be seen, just to know that what we've experienced has been seen by someone else too as real. I think that's probably also why, by the way, as I was thinking about it, gaslighting as an experience is so particularly horrible because it does completely the opposite, right? You risk naming a pain or a hurt or a frustration and someone not only doesn't want to hear it, but then denies that you've actually had that experience. It's a double whammy of just what we don't need when we've had something hard happen to us, right? We are so hardwired for connection that did you know that if you're commuting on a train and you talk to the stranger next to you, just a few words or sentences, I mean about anything, right? The weather, I love your cologne, uh, you know, what's that you're reading? That the happiness lag effect is greater than if you sat during that same commute reading a fabulous book or listening to music you love even if you're the kind of person who hates to talk to strangers. We are so hardwired for connection. We're hardwired for laughter. So I don't know if anyone else did this bizarre experiment regularly on a small child, but have you ever taken a baby, like not a teeny tiny baby, but one who's a little older, and forced yourself to pretend laugh hysterically? Anyone ever done this? Okay, now go find a baby if you haven't and do this. It's a little bizarre and you have to be a good actor. But basically, in our household, occasionally someone would do this, where you start laughing hysterically. And then the baby starts laughing, though there's no joke. Anyway, my husband used to do that and then he would say, you, you faker, you're such a social laugher. But the truth is, we're actually all social laughers. The minute you hear laughter, one study said, your facial muscles get ready to smile. And we release endorphins when we laugh. It must have been so great, Dennis, having a career that was all about getting the laughter started. We're meant to laugh, we're meant to connect, we're meant to learn to tell our stories and be heard, to hear other people's stories and show them that they're heard, all of this. We're hardwired to serve one another. Did you know that when you, Margot reminded me of this, that when you want to feel happier, one of the best ways is to do something for someone else? 
Like literally if people were given money and told you can either give this to someone who needs it or pay for something or do something for them or you can buy yourself something you really want or need that the happiness lag effect of the people who give it away or buy something for someone else is so much greater. We're literally hardwired to serve. And a bunch of these things I think are part of what small group ministry makes room for, has made room for these vessels that are all about an easy way to connect, to tell our stories, to be heard, to be listened to. All small groups are asked to do an act of service at the end of the year or by the end of their time together. And things like laughter happen naturally in groups when we're sharing what's gone on in life. And so has the support for one another. So Someone has surgery or gets COVID, and guess who ends up bringing you soup if you're in a group of six to 10 people that meet twice a month? It's the people in your small group. And it happens in church. Laughter and hope and connection and being seen and learning and serving. It feeds all of this, quite literally, our humanity, like the best of our humanness, of our wholeness. And yet, I have been also hearing and feeling lately how hard it is for people, for us, to rise to the occasion of getting what we need. I mean, we're putting small groups on hold because people aren't signing up or can't seem to make it to the meetings. And I don't say that with blame, just acknowledgement. And volunteering is down across the board. I'm vice chair of the Interfaith Council, so 800 organizations are part of this. They're all talking about volunteering is down. And even showing up to things is down, hence the theaters, one third full. For those of you who turned up today, like three cheers. Hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. It takes so much, I think, for us to show up these days. And I want to just do a quick experiment of asking how many of you this morning considered at least once, like a voice in your head said at least once, do you really want to go to church? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask how many people's voices said that multiple times. And after you're done, I will be interested to know, though it might hurt my feelings, but I can take it, how many of you regret coming when you're all done? I mean, even if there is no more cream at coffee hour by the time you get there, even if the sermon doesn't speak to you, something about coming, the routine, getting out into the sunshine, talking to the person on the BART on the way, the hellos, the singing, being here, connecting to some, something bigger than you, a quote that pulls you through time, questions voiced that were just inside you, but now you realize, oh, everybody's thinking these questions. Something, something that has the ability to pull us out of those tar pits we are somewhat stuck in. And I'm not any different I went on a hike this week with a colleague, but boy, I wanted to go back to bed and curl up, 
and do as little as possible. I felt exhausted by the time it was time to leave for the hike, which was 10.30 in the morning. And so I had to talk to myself the whole time. I don't know if you know these kind of voices. It was like, Vanessa, shh. Just pack your bag, just put on your sneakers, just shh. Just grab your BART card, just get your suntan lotion, just take a snack, you're gonna like it, you're gonna be happy you did this, just get out the door. I was like a mother coaxing a toddler to go to school in the morning. And I did it and I went and I ended up racking up 10,000 steps and I got a little bit of sunburn on my shoulders and I left exhausted and I came home energized and really, really happy that I had connected with this other person and knit back together a little bit. But that's been the pattern. I don't wanna go, I go. I don't wanna do it, I do it. And a little more humanity is healed in me that I'm always glad I went, but I am doing this daily these days. It's like trying to set new habits. It's like if you forgot what it meant to brush your teeth regularly, and you forgot that it not only felt good, but you loved having fresh breath, and it was really good for your dental hygiene in general, and you had to just every day force yourself to brush your teeth and every day be reminded that you feel better until you got into the habit again. That's what I feel like I'm doing in my relationship to the world. Didn't want to go to the high school musical. Far exceeded expectations. Laughed maybe a little too much, probably embarrassed my child, sat next to a mom I hadn't seen in months, felt alive as I left the theater. Didn't want to go to the Jazz Center, but I had bought tickets in advance for everyone in the household, including my visiting parents, and it was an incredible piece of music. And I was in this gorgeous space of the San Francisco Jazz Center. And just to hear people draw breath and yell bravo and applaud and get to their feet at the end, and this piece of music about the narrative of our city, it felt so connecting. Connecting to people, connecting to beauty, connecting to the pulse of life and music and all of it. I think I've told you all that I have a friend who's Afghani who says there's a saying in Farsi which translated is, one step, I bless you. One step, I bless you. And I've been thinking of it again these days in a different way than I normally do. about how it's the wisdom again to guide us in this moment. Just one step, especially if that's all you can handle on a given day, whatever that one step is, and know and trust you will be healed and blessed. And then one more step. Or if you prefer commercial culture to mystical Islam, then the Nike ad, the one that says, just do it. Live that. I think that's the spiritual key for a lot of us in this moment. To knit ourselves and the world back together, we have to get used to just doing what's uncomfortable, strangely uncomfortable and awkward and hard in order to revive the humanity in us, all the stuff we're hardwired for. 
I read this week that anxiety shows up in a desire to control our circumstances and wipe out uncertainty. So it would make sense that we might all be living in some collective legacy anxiety right now. And that actually the way to get over it is to lean into the discomfort of it and the uncertainty of it all to the hard places and then watch them give way. That that's the way through anxiety. It would all make incredible sense if that was what we were experiencing. All the stuff of our humanity that got squashed in the last two years and now we just have to relearn what it means to be deeply human. So my offering this morning is just simply that I think this is a time for the spiritual discipline, unless you are already fully regained, have fully regained your own humanity and are out in the world um, tap dancing everywhere you go, in which case, like, please, can you lead a course for the rest of us? But just one step at a time to be kind to ourselves, but also to buy tickets in advance so maybe we're less likely to back out, to push ourselves out the door, to lean in, to stretch into connection, into the world, and all the ways we're wired for. That the ancient blessing tells us if we just take that one step that we will be conferred in the next and we will relaunch covenant groups in the fall and in the meantime, make your own. It's called a dinner party. Just do it. And may the Nike, the goddess of victory, not the shoe, spread her wings over us all and bless us in our quest to step through the hard parts hopefully the last of them, and confer on us victory in rejoining this knitted back together world of fully human, deeply spiritual, connected and alive people. Amen. When I first entered this sacred space about a decade ago, it hit me like a giant whack-a-mole that I was finally home. This place spoke to me like a long-lost friend. The word safe arose and hope and a warm spirituality. You see, I had been truly floundering from both the death of my father and the ravages of osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, and degenerative disc disease. I had made the decision to step down as my clown character, Poindexter the Clown, at least in any full-time capacity. A very tough decision when one's fullest sense of accomplishment and joy comes from clowning around and bringing love and smiles to children and others. Funny then that the first way I saw I could be of value was by changing into my mom-made motley garb and resurfacing as Poindexter, or maybe Poindexter Light. And so I met with the inspirational Allison Jacks and felt welcome to volunteer. What an incredible amount of love Allison has dealt out in our congregation and religious education programs. Then just by coming back again and again, a place within I'd felt not quite whole began to fill in again within my chest. 
The wide variety of activities that lean towards social justice give me such joy. And just the sheer majesty of this space here, from the majestic grand pipe organ played by our extraordinary Reiko Odelaine, to the incredibly thoughtful, engaging style of preaching one John Buren's practiced weekly, to the very literal writing on the walls. This place is intriguing, mysterious, funny, and beautiful. It was John who suggested that I might enjoy becoming a worship associate, and as usual, his judgment was sound. The educational and entertainments provided by this closely knit yet wide open church is a phenomenon. From the sensible cinema nights to the many meals and receptions and the huge impact of the small group ministries, it seems there's always something going on up here. I'm certain that Margot Campbell Gross had quite a role in the success of these ministries as her warmth and words have always been quite supportive and positive to me. In such a sketchy world full of anguish, war crimes in the Ukraine, senseless attacks on women, persons of color, LGBTQ rights, and among others, a pesky pandemic. In such a world to find a loving oasis, a community centered in love and helping others amounted to an epiphany in my life. My hope is that if one of you, here or out there, is feeling so down and out you need help, well, you've come to the right place. Now this feels like a home to me, and for that, and for our senior minister, Vanessa Southern, amongst others, I am exceedingly grateful. Thank you.